Welcome everybody to episode 12 of the Formula Lockdown Podcast. I'm Tom Roberts as always with you every week. On today's episode we have part one of my interview with uh, Matt Young from King Parrot. We also have our King Parrot winner uh, from the Facebook page. All you had to do was like and share the image and we have a winner from that competition. We have our normal uh, band of the week and tour of the week and much, much, much more. Maybe that was one too many matches. What do you say we kick off the show? This is Matt from King Parrot. You're listening to... The Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by... Tom Roberts. All metal and mostly Aussie. Alrighty, so thank you for sticking around for the show, as I do every week, I'm thanking you. Uh, right now, we want to uh, congratulate one Mr. Jacob Allen for winning the uh, King Parrot competition on Facebook, the Like and Share competition. Uh, I will be inboxing you at some point this week to get your address. And uh, our very own guest this week, Matt Young, will be the one posting it out to you. Um, Yeah, so Jacob Allen, congratulations, you won the competition. Yay, yay, the crowd's going wild. No, but seriously, well done. And thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting our Facebook uh, facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown for those who don't know it uh, that or you can go and follow me on twitter it's at tom underscore roberts 1989 on twitter or if uh, you don't get into social media you can always email me at uh, fullmetallockdown at gmail.com and I will reply I endeavor to reply to every single email I ever get. ever get. Sorry, I've got indigestion. Uh, so right now, I wanted to talk about something that I brought up uh, a few weeks ago. And if you follow us on the Facebook page, you know I wrote a, uh, a note, an article, if you will, a little blog thingy about it. The uh, Metal Hammer Heavy Metal World Cup. Uh, the round one results are in, and uh, India beat Israel. Uh, India were represented by demonic, uh, demonic, uh, something, resurrection, demonic resurrector, resurrection. Sorry, and uh, Israel were uh, represented by orphan land. Orphan Land lost. I tipped Orphan Land to win that. I shouldn't have. Uh, the next round was USA represented by Machine Head. And Australia represented by Parkway Drive. And as I thought, USA won uh, with Machine Head advancing to take on 
demonic resurrection India in the next round. Uh, I had to tip Bark Red Drive. I had to support Aussie Metal. But I kind of knew they were going to lose. The next round, uh, sorry, matchup actually shocked me. Uh, It was England's Saxon versus Indonesia's Burger Kill. Um, I tipped Saxon and I honestly thought that they were going to destroy it. But uh, Burger Kill uh, threw the next round. Uh, the next matchup saw Scotland's Bleed From Within taking on Germany's ex- Accept. I thought Accept were going to win it, but they didn't. Uh, Scotland's Bleed From Within uh, continued through the next round. Doesn't really surprise me that one. Uh, they're taking on Burger Kill to get to whoever wins between the USA and India. Uh, my tip is either Brazil or the USA to win this whole thing. The next one pisses me off. Uh, I as I always struggle with this band's name, but it was Norway uh, uh, represented by Velotract or Kvelotract or whatever their name is. And Japan, represented by Baby Metal. And Baby Metal got through. If they win this round that they're in because of who they're taking on the next round, I'm calling this shit rigged. Uh, Because I'm not going to hide it. I feel like Baby Metal are being forced down every metal head's throat in Australia. And... In the world, really. And, like, personally, I think they're crap. But, like, there are people that think they're awesome. And all the power to you. Everybody has their own taste and whatnot. Anyway, the next matchup. Brazil's Sepultura taking on South Africa's Seether. Seether. And Sepultura, Brazil's Sepultura were victorious. So now we see Japan's Baby Metal taking on the legendary Brazil's Sepultura. And like I said, I think Brazil and USA are going to be in the final against each other. Uh, Next up, we saw Finland's Tarasis versus France's Gojira. And Francis Gojira got through. That was a tough matchup. I think I actually tipped Gojira to win that. And I tipped Sepultura to win the one before. So I've gotten two out of like six, seven, eight, right? So far. <laughs> six, right? I've gotten two out of six. Six? I don't know. Um, I, I gave up counting. And the next one is uh, Canada's Devon Townsend versus Sweden's In Flames. And Canada got through to the next round with Devon Townsend to take on France's Gojira. So uh, I'm going to follow this as much as I can. Uh, The voting lines are open for them. Uh, You have to go to the Metal Hammer World Cup. World Cup, Metal Hammer uh, website, which is metalhammer.com, 
join the website, which is free, and, like, you get some perks signing up anyway. You get, like, the newsletter and stuff, so do it. And, uh, you can vote on the Heavy Metal World Cup. So, I suggest going over there and doing it, and make sure Brazil beat Japan in the next round. Seriously. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, right now, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I talked about the Heavy Metal World Cup on my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Full Metal Lockdown, uh, and I have started writing notes, and I just did the quotation marks with my hands, uh, notes, if you will, uh, little articles, blogs, whatever you want to call them, about, uh, a few a week, uh, there is no set number to how many I'm going to do, could do none, I could do 30, I don't know, uh, it's just whatever comes to my head, I've only done two at the moment, uh, the first one were my thoughts on round one of the, uh, Heavy Metal World Cup, done by Metal Hammer, and the second one was, uh, inspired by a conversation I had with a friend, via Facebook, uh, my impossible top five metal bands, which were, uh, five metal bands that I will never be able to see live, and that I really wish I did, and, uh, I think number one, they were in no, like, order of significance or whatever, they were just listed, uh, one was Pantera, Led Zeppelin, uh, Morbid Angel, was a morbid, no, not morbid angel, because they're still together, um, who was it, it was, uh, yeah, uh, Pantera were one, it was Led Zeppelin were another, uh, Pantera, Led Zeppelin, Alchemist, uh, Damage, and Model Sin, that's who I was thinking of, not morbid angel, Mortal Sin, <laughs> yeah, uh, Pantera, Led Zeppelin, Alchemist, Damage, and Mortal Sin, Pantera, obviously, Led Zeppelin, I know there's a debate as to whether they're metal or not, obviously, I'm on the fence saying they are metal, because I believe they are metal, anyway, uh, yeah, Alchemist, I've, even though they were going before, when I was old enough to go to concerts, I never had the opportunity to go see them. Uh, Damage, they were over before I was even 10. And uh, Moral Sin, uh, they've reformed about 30 times, so I guess it's not impossible that I'll ever see them, but I'll never see their original lineup. That's what I'm saying when I say that. So, yeah, that's, uh, I'm gonna write a few more. If you have any suggestions as to what I should write about, hit me up on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown. Or hit me up on the Twitter. Did I say that right? Twitter? Anyway, uh, at Tom underscore Roberts 1989. Or email me. At fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. So it is just fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, the 
just uh, tell me what you think I should uh, write about in my notes, dearlies. Yeah. Right now we have uh, our band of the week, the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast band of the week. And now uh, I just want to point out that anybody can enter the band of the week as long as they follow these rules on Facebook. Or on social media in general, you have to have under a thousand fans, and you have to have played less than a certain amount of gigs. And I'm not sure how many of the uh, gigs that is. Uh, those are the new rules. They've only just come in since I've decided to turn this into a regular thing. Uh, the tour of the week, anybody can qualify for that as long as the tour is in Australia. But, uh, yeah, the band of the week this week goes to, drum roll please, Brrr, Southeast Desert Metal. Uh, yeah, I uh, recently discovered these bands on, this band on a uh, episode of, of, uh, what, uh, what show was it? Uh, uh, the Racket, The Racket on Triple J. Uh, yeah, they're a heavy metal band. They come from Santa Teresa, which I believe is in the Northern Territory. They're a very remote band. Uh, they, I believe they are all indigenous, uh, which makes them one of the first all indigenous uh, heavy metal bands, which is really fucking cool. Uh, their description, they, they, from what I heard of them on the racket, they're a fucking great band, uh, and yes, I am going for the record for the, uh, dirtiest presenter, uh, the most crew presenter in history, fuck it, uh, anyway, Southeast Desert Metal are the most remote heavy metal band in Australia, in the small community of Santa Teresa, uh, they stand alone, preferring Randy Rhodes to Slim Dusty. Influenced by classics such as Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, and Black Label Society, they have created their own fusion sound with dual guitar attack, blistering solos, and thumping drum beats. Chief songwriter Chris Wallace writes about dreaming, passing on stories from the old to the young generation. His songs have strong messages and catchy melodies. Uh, they are just about to release their EP, Let's Rock, recorded at the Black Reef Studio with producers Sobs from Nocturnal. Uh... The four tracks on the CD show many sides of a multifaceted band. Uh, the band are performing regularly around Central Australia with upcoming performances at Wide Open Space and Black and Globe Festival. Chris Wallace says, come and enjoy the show. Uh, that must be all, because I know the Black and the Globe Festival has already happened. It happened a few months ago. It was headlined by Frankenbach, uh, from memory. Uh, and the last year it was headlined by the one and only Kim Parrott, who are a guest today. 
Uh, sorry, uh, the lead singer of King Parrot is our guest today. Uh, which brings me to our next subject. Uh, actually, wait a second. South Southeast Desert Metal, go to their Facebook page. Uh, their Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash pages forward slash south dash east dash desert dash metal. Uh, you it'll be easy to go to the search bar and search Southeast Desert Metal. Uh, yeah. So like their Facebook page, support the band, can find where you can buy their EP from. Buy I'm gonna do that when I get paid next. I'm gonna find their uh EP and buy the buy the shit out of that. Sorry, I've been addressing. At the moment is one forty seven AM in the morning and I'm tired. I get an addression when I get tired, leave me alone. Anyway, uh, which brings me to the Full Metal Lockdown Tour of the Week. Uh, it isn't happening until September, but it's still getting the Tour of the Week because my boys, Red B, are playing at their Manning Bar in support of them. Uh, protest the hero Australian tour. Now, I've, I've got to admit, I'm a little bit hesitant to call them... Uh, my kind of metal, but apparently they are metal. Either way, uh, Thursday the 4th of September, for you kids up there in Brisbane, at the Hi-Fi, 18 plus, so not for you kids, for you adults, going up there, yeah, 18 plus in Brisbane at the Hi-Fi, for you adults in Sydney on Friday the 5th of September at the Manning Bar in Sydney. With my boys, Red B in support. Uh, Saturday the 6th of September, the Hi-Fi in Melbourne for you adults down there in Melbourne. Those three shows are all 18 plus. Now, for you kids and adults that want to see them down in, in Tassie. Uh, on Sunday the 7th of September, the Brisbane Hotel. Brisbane Hotel in Hobart. Yep. Uh, Licensed All Ages, uh, Tuesday the 9th of September, for you adults and kids that want to go see them in Adelaide, at Fowler's Live in Adelaide, Licensed All Ages, on Wednesday the 10th of September at the Amplifier in Perth, uh, I'm guessing that's 18+, plus. they didn't list it, tickets only $45 plus booking fee, VIP, Meet and greet packages available at all shows. Uh, go to Metropolis Touring. Uh, search them on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Metropolis. Metropolis Touring Australia. Uh, that's M-E-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S-T-O-R-T-O-U-R-I-N-G Australia. So, Metropolis Touring Australia. And uh, you'll find all the information you need about it there. And that's the Full Metal Lockdown Tour of the Week. Alrighty, so I'm sitting here, or not exactly with him, but he's on the line. I have Matt Young from King Parrot. How you going, Matt? I'm very well, thanks, man. How are you? I'm not bad. Now, uh... 
we've talked a lot over emails and messages and stuff, but we've never actually talked voice to voice or actually met. But it's uh, good to actually finally talk to you. Yeah, likewise, bro. Cheers. Yeah. We were working on uh, trying to get a uh, gig up in Orange for May, but uh, unfortunately I had a family issue. Something uh, tragic happened in my family and I had to cancel the gig. But uh, yeah, that would have been the first time that we actually met. The first thing I want to ask about, and you've probably been asked by every single person here in Australia that's interviewed you so far, is about Soundwave. Okay. Uh, what was it like getting on stage performing with Down, performing with Phil Anselmo, who was in one of the greatest heavy metal bands of all time, Pantera? What was it like? Uh, well, it was kind of surreal. Like, I don't know, I was sort of talking to him for like about two hours or something like that before, this, before Down went on stage. So I was already like hanging out with those guys and stuff and... um. And, uh, you know, like, well, I'd sort of spoken to him on email and all that sort of stuff, but I hadn't actually, hadn't met Phil. I'd met the other guys a few times, but um, it was good to meet him, man. He's a really cool dude, and uh, and it was awesome just to see that uh, he supported, like, King Carrot and was, like, you know, into the videos and, and uh, into the album and stuff. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, anyone, anyone who, like, kind of knows that, any, that knows anything about him is that he's a big supporter of, like, underground music, but... Uh, yeah, I guess we were just sort of standing on the side of the stage watching him, of course, and uh, and uh, Phil's wife, Kate, grabbed us and said, get out there and get on stage, and I was just like, what the hell? And we were just all sort of freaking out a bit, but, you know, it all happened pretty quick, and we just went out there and grabbed their instruments off them and stuff, and I think, like, Portal, the guys from Portal did it up in Brisbane, and the guys from uh, Cold from Black Ram did it over in Adelaide as well, so... Yeah, and I think uh, even Living Colour got up and did it with them somewhere as well, like at one of their shows in uh, Melbourne, I think, one of the side shows. So, yeah, I think that's just something that they like to do with their mates or whatever. And, and yeah, I guess we were pretty honoured to, you know, get out there with them. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like if you had told the 15-year-old me that I'd be out on stage with Phil Anselmo at some point screaming into a microphone with him, I probably would have dropped dead on the spot. But, um <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like, it's pretty awesome, man. And, and they're great people and, and great supporters of music, you know. Uh, that's so cool. That's so cool to know that he's that down to earth, that all the members of Down are that down to earth to support the locals in Australia, not even their own country, to say the least. They support metal worldwide. It's so cool to oh, hear absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, man, oh, they're very switched on dudes when it comes to, like, you know, the underground music scenes and stuff. And, um, you know, we've been friends with uh, Jimmy Bauer and Mike from, from I Hate God for a while when we played with them here in Australia a year, year or two ago. It was about a year and a half ago, maybe. And um, and I guess sort of Phil heard about King Parrot from those guys. And, and uh, yeah, so... It, it, it's a small community, man, the middle world. Like, when you sort of break it down, it's like, you know, it, it, everyone kind of knows everyone. And, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 it's pretty pretty cool, man. It's, it's good to have their support. That's absolutely certain, you know. It's definitely better to have it than not. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you said, it is a pretty small world. Like, I know some American artists and 
managers even. I know publicity officers from America, same with the UK and Asia. And yeah, it is a small world. To think that someone from, some, like I'm from Gold, I was born in Goulburn, someone from Goulburn in New South Wales can know people around the world because of a small community. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's great, man. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, you know, we're just, like I said, man, very, very grateful. Yeah. Now you mentioned that uh, they like your your videos. Now uh, I have to mention that I and I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with uh, a certain King Parrot video. I think it might have been the last one you recorded. I uh, I think uh, Dead End. I love okay, that yeah, yeah. film clip. Uh, I have a few questions about it. Uh, sure, man. I know you have a few other film clips, but I just find that one fucking hilarious. Uh, but uh, where was it filmed? Like, I I personally know, but, like, for people out there who don't know, like, where was it filmed? It was filmed at the, uh, at the well, the infamous, uh, well, it's pretty famous, actually. It's, uh, yeah, the Tote Hotel in, uh, in, in Collingwood in Victoria and, oh, you know, Melbourne, and, um, you know, it's like, I guess it's one of our favourite places to play, and it's one of our favourite pubs, and, you know, has been for a long time, we've all, um, all, all of, all of us guys in King Parrot have all sort of, you know, have an affiliation with the, with that venue one way or another, you know, we've all sort of maybe worked there at some point, or spent a lot of time there, spent a lot of money there, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, when we told them that we wanted to do our new video in there and, uh, you know, obviously they were like, yeah, cool, let's do it. So, um, we took over the venue for the day and, uh, and, um, you know, filmed it there from like seven in the morning, I think, till about seven at night. And, um, you know, at, at about four o'clock in the afternoon or something like that, I think all the people came and that's where we sort of shot all the, um, scenes with the crowd and everything like that. And, um, before that, yeah, it was just we spent the day filming all the other stuff, and, and it all went really well, you know. It was cool. It was a really good experience, and we were, we were stoked that we were able to use the venue for the day. So, yeah. you know, couldn't get any better, really. We were really happy with it. Did you tell them that you were going to put an axe through their front door? <laughs> yeah, well, look, I we told them, yeah, yeah. We, I, I'm not going to spoil the... Uh, spoil the mystique about the film clip so uh yeah I, I just they knew about it they were cool with it it's all good you know no no, no harm done so i uh, uh you won't tell me whether you actually had to pay for the door <laughs> no it's all it was all good man no, we uh it's, it's a trick of the a trick of the screen man like it's uh I can't let you in on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for you. It's like, you know. But it was funny, man. We had the police coming down and everything that day. It was like people were ringing up and watching us filming and seeing the like someone smashing through the front door of the tote, and they like rang the police and they're like, you know, there's people bashing in the front door of the tote with an axe. Like, you got to get down there. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they saw the, the cameras or not. Obviously not. But, um, yeah, that was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what the shining theme? Do you do you as a band like the shining, or uh, why why shining? Why not 
something else. Because if um, for people who don't know, the film clip starts out the same way as in the movie The Shining. Uh, Matt plays like a uh, one of the ghost figures, and uh, who was at the bar? Oh, that's how bass player slept. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was at the bar. Um, for some reason, I was thinking Squiz was at the bar, but he wasn't. Uh, no, 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 no. Flat sort of plays the, the, the character of... Um, Jack Nicholson. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we just like, I mean, we just like horror movies, just like everyone else, you know, and I don't know, we sort of had these concepts and 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 we had all these ideas for how we wanted the video to, to look and what we wanted to try and achieve with it. And then our sort of, like our video director, Dan Farmer from Black Box Films, who's, who's worked on all our videos, um, he kind of just came to the party with this idea about let's get The Shining happening. And um, and we were uh, obviously all fans of the movie and, and it just seemed like a really good idea. And so we went for it, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it all sort of kind of just came together like that. So... You know, a lot of credit has got to be given to um, to our director, Dan Farmer, because he is just, uh, in my opinion, he's like one of the best video makers in uh, Australia. And um, and that's why we just like continue to work with those guys. And, you know, like, you know, we have people all over the world like asking us, going, who the hell does your videos, you know? And it's like, I think they're going to be getting a lot more work because of it, which is great to see, you know, because they really deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did a great job on Dead End. Uh, and... I was going to say, I noticed uh, Yeti from Frankenbach was in the crowd uh, during the video clip. Uh, were there any other like bands that I couldn't see or any other members of Frankenbach that I couldn't see? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know Yeti got his head in there to do a little, uh, to do a shot at the start, I think. And, uh... Yeah, right at the start of the crowd scene, he dumped back a shot. Yeah, no, there's probably, uh, I can't think of anyone straight off the top of my head, but there's probably lots of other band members from other bands and stuff like that. I'm not sure if anyone else from Frankenbuck was there or not, but uh, I can't can't quite remember. I was pretty busy that day, just running around trying to get everything uh, organised and whatnot. But uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other band members and stuff. I mean, band other bands are the the people that support your band the most, probably. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> sure there was other band people there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh. uh the final question about the film clip, uh, you were behind the bar for the majority of it. Do you actually have your yeah. RSA or were you like pouring like cold tea to make it look like beer and stuff like that? Mm, if I can be criminal, criminally incriminated or something like that by answering that question, I think I might just leave it. But uh, <laughs> let's just say okay. I'm, not, I, I'm not very good at pouring beer. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you might be able to, you might be able to tell that by looking at the video. I didn't do a very good job of it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just say I, I don't actually work behind a bar for a job, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, what's the writing process in King Parrot? Like, uh, how do you sit down and write a song or write an album? Do you... Do you write lyrics, take them to the band and say, here, fit a song around these? Or do you all come together and write a song as a group? Or are you individuals and then come together 
as individuals with different parts and go, oh, that makes a good song, let's do that? I think usually, like, you know, uh, Ari, uh, our guitarist, he's our, like, main song, you know, like, riff guy, riff writer, ideas guy. And, uh, but, you know, not to say that Slats and Squeeze don't have some input as well. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, we sort of, we really, we're more of like a band that will hash it out with the band rather than, you know, send each other ideas on the computer or write like that. It's very organic sort of process. And then usually like when the, when the actual song's getting written or whatever in the room, that's sort of like when I try and sort of get a start on the lyrics, like just to sort of see, feel what mood the song is like evoking in me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you can write about anything, you know. So I'd like to try and get a gauge on how how the song's making me feel or whatever. If it's, you know, like if it's an upbeat song or if it's just like a chaotic song or, or whatever, you know, like each uh, each time we sort of sit down to write, it's like, you know, it's a different experience. So, you know, um, but... We, you know, I, I always try and show the lyrics to the guys and just sort of say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm writing this. I'm writing this song about this. What do you think about that? And I'll either say, yeah, it sucks or it's good or whatever. And, you know, and I'll, I'll go back to the drawing board and I usually take a bit of time to try and refine it and, you know, try and change up the verses a little bit or change up the patterns or, or whatnot and, um, and, and, and try and go for something sort of really unique that kind of works as well. And, yeah, it just sort of works like that, man. It's, you know, no, no, no sort of secrets or anything like that. It's just sort of the standard sort of process, I guess. And, you know, we haven't really sort of, you know, we sort of stoop. Like, the the band is really steeped in the underground sort of sound and the old school sort of metal sound. And, you know, we're just trying to put a bit of a new twist on it, I guess. Especially, like, I don't know, with my vocal approach. And I think, you know, for this next album that we're going to record... Like, I really want to experiment a little bit more and take some more time when I'm recording my vocals and just be, feel a bit more, you know, comfortable in the studio because, like, on the last album, it was, like, it was all very very quick and extremely limited budget and, um, you know, because we hadn't really done much. And um, so it was all sort of rushed. But, you know, for what it is, you know, we're happy with our first album and it's, and it's, it's been able to sort of put us on the map somewhat. Um, yeah. Definitely in Australia, sort of starting to branch out a little bit internationally as well, which is which is cool. And hopefully, we can get a little bit more leverage overseas before we do the next album, so it can be a sort of a hopefully a bigger thing, you know. And you know, knock on a few doors and open up some more opportunities. Yeah, because uh, on previous podcasts, I mentioned King Parrot a few times. I believe you guys uh, have conquered the Australian scene, and I use the word conquered. I love that word, but it's a very strong word, and I honestly do believe you have conquered the Australian scene. Uh, and in my view, by uh, I've noticed you've headlined over Frankenbach. In my view, that means you have conquered this scene. And then you've gone over to America and you're touring insanely over there uh, on your last tour. Then you went over and then you played a festival in Indonesia with uh, Creator. And uh, who else was there? Um, uh, what are they called? Um, 
Nora Border. Morbid Angel played. And, yeah, uh, them. Bullets of my Valentine. And Alpha Gore. And, yeah, there was quite a few really cool. Yeah, Hate Breed played as well. Yeah. And when you went over and played there, you're on the poster for those people who didn't see it. On the poster, uh, King Parrot's name was their symbol and not down in the little writing with the rest of the bands. They were one of the big acts on the festival. And to me, that just proves how, like, a band from Melbourne, a band from Australia who doesn't play pop like Wolfmother or Jet can make it any way they want. And all they have to do is work at it because you guys worked so friggin' hard it wasn't just given to you 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 worked to do it yeah that's right man and i think i don't know i mean we we did an indonesian tour uh last year you know and uh we played we played about seven shows over there i think and um and it went really well you know and and we got to like meet a lot of people and hang out with a lot of people over there and have a really good time. And, um, and uh, you know, I think we, and we played the Obscene Extreme Festival there last year in Jakarta. And, and, and that sort of opened us up to a lot of people over there. And, and I think, you know, obviously the, the, the promoter of Hammersonic Festival in uh, Jakarta that we played at just a couple of weeks ago took that into consideration and went, well, you know, these guys have made the effort to come here before and, People know who they are, you know, and 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 um and so we're going to give them a good slot on the bill, and yeah, I think we ended up playing at six o'clock, which is awesome, and and yeah, we had, obviously there was like twenty thousand people there or something. It was an awesome festival, and you know, it was um you know, there was rain and monsoon sort of weather, and it was like muddy and all sorts of crap was going on. It was really awesome, you know. It was yeah, really good experience for us. You know, it was, it was the biggest crowd that we've played in front of so far and, and um, just a really uh, awesome experience for us, you know. And, you know, hopefully we get to do it more often. I love doing shows like that. It's, it's heaps and heaps of fun. Yeah, it looked really cool. I uh, saw the photo on your Facebook that you posted of the band standing in front of the crowd off the stage and it was huge. Yeah, it was pretty massive, man. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really good day, man. And I think the people of Indonesia really like appreciate, you know, the bands that come over and play for them. I mean, even the, like the first time when we went over there, the reception that we got was just like awesome. You know, it was phenomenal. Like we couldn't. I think the first gig we played there back in when we first went there in 2013, we got out of the car at the first gig and and. We stood there for like three hours getting photos with all the kids and stuff like that and, um, before we played and everyone just wanted to come and get a photo with us and it was just kind of surreal because, you know, obviously you don't really get that sort of thing here in Australia, you know? Yeah, you usually get the pull up in the hotel car park, go upstairs and people are like, oh, who are you here to see? I'm in a band. Which yeah. band? That band. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. yeah I'm here yeah, to yeah, see yeah. you. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's not hard to stand out in Indonesia either. You know, they kind of know that you're from the international band when you walk in because you're sort of, you're white. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're probably like two foot taller than most of them too. So, you know. Yeah. You're hot off the, uh, off the US tour pretty much. I say hot off the tour. I mean, you pretty much just landed back in Australia. Or uh, by the time this actually airs, you would have been back for... About a month. Uh, that, 
How did you okay. compare the US crowds to the Aussie crowds? Were they pretty much the same? Uh, yeah, I think so, man. It's, I mean, yeah, I think metal's pretty universal these days. I don't really think there's too much, too much difference. I guess, you know, the only thing I would say is that, you know, we're a new band over there. We kind of just, you know, obviously some people know about us, but for the most part, you know, people came and saw us out of curiosity or, um, you know, that they'd seen one of the videos on YouTube or, or, or something like that. So... I guess we're a new band, so it was kind of it was kind of like going back to the start of when we first started playing in Australia, and and people were sort of like a bit standoffish and a little bit sort of skeptical and and all that. So we had a little bit of that going, but I think you know for the most part, like after people left after they saw us and stuff, they were like, "Wow, that was cool!" And you know we sold a hell of a lot of merch over there and and all that sort of thing. So I think it went really well, and I think you know if we can keep getting over there as much as possible, which is the plan, um, that, you know, hopefully just continues to build like it has here in Australia. Yeah. So uh, how was playing at the Whiskey? Because that's an iconic venue. For those who don't know, it's called the Whiskey Go-Go, and it is one of the most iconic venues in the world. The Doors made it at the Whiskey. Uh, the Peppers have played the whiskey. Blink One Hundred Two have played the whiskey. Uh, White Zombie and Rob Zombie played the whiskey back in the day. Everybody plays the whiskey. Anybody who's anybody plays there. How was it playing at the whiskey? It was an awesome experience. You know, like like you said, you know, so many awesome bands have played there in the past, and I guess it was good for us just to get our opportunity to get up on that stage and do our thing. And I think you know, there's a, there's a little bit of footage I think on YouTube from that show and. Um, it was crazy. We had an absolute blast, and I think, you know, I think that was the second show that we played on the tour. So to get to play there on our second show in in the US was um was incredible, and and there was a really good crowd there, and we were like the direct support to um cattle decapitation, who are good friends of ours, and and it was just an awesome show. It was, you know, great experience and something I'll probably never forget. And um, you know, we just had such a good reception too from uh, from all the all the people in LA and um, yeah, it was a really nice way to sort of be welcomed into the country. Yeah. So did you hit the East coast at all? Or was it only a West coast tour? No, we did, a, we did, a, we did the whole pretty much, we, well, we did 45 shows in 49 days. So oh, we played, uh, we played pretty much every week. And so, so yeah, we were all over the East coast and um, all, all over the West coast, all over the middle, all over the South. Yeah, we pretty much played everywhere. We sort of didn't want to leave any sort of stone unturned, I guess. And, um, yeah, it, it was cool, man. It was it was a great experience, so, yeah. Speaking of directions, you played the South by Southwest Festival. Uh, how was that? Um, well, it's, I guess it's a good experience for the band, and it was a good, um, good opportunity for us to play in front of all the music industry people. Um... You know, like they come from all over the world to, to see the new bands and see who's doing what and how things are being done and you know who's interacting with the crowd and who's doing this and that and you know we got an opportunity to play in front of a lot of uh, industry people and uh, you know it, it went really really well and uh, you know it's, 
kind of grueling way. Like, there's so many people there to see bands and so many, yeah. No, it was all good, man. It was a great time over there and we loved being in Texas. And, um, yeah, the people over there are great. And we saw some awesome bands as well and got to play with some awesome bands. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. And I think, you know, it's something that we'd like to do again for sure. Yeah. So, uh, a question I want to ask is, uh, and it's plain and simple, how did King Parrot form? Because I know Squeeze was in Dreadnought and uh, the others have been doing yep. some other work. Uh, you, I, I couldn't find anything on you before King Parrot. And I know you're the youngest in the band, but uh, how did King Parrot form? Uh, well, I guess uh, initially um, our original drummer and uh, Ari started the band and, uh, and, and us this thing. Um, you know, I played in a few sort of, uh, you know, more rock and punk sort of bands like Tiger Noughts and Stiff Meat, Pillow, Uncut White Noise. And um, those were sort of main bands that I'd played in around Melbourne. And... Um, and those guys sort of asked me to sing, and, and then we sort of just formed the band and, you know, had a few lineup changes along the way, of course, and um, Squeeze joined in and Slats joined in, and, um, you know, we, we've had a few different drummers, and, and, and Skitsis, Matt Skids is our current drummer, the ex-damaged uh, guy who also played with Sadistic uh, Execution and uh, Hobbs Angel of Death and a bunch of other bands. So, yeah, like, yeah, it was just a bit of a it came out of a sort of necessity for everyone to sort of want to do something a little bit more aggressive I suppose and something a bit more in your face to what we'd you know previously been doing and yeah we just wanted to do something that was like you know not your standard grind band or your standard trash band or whatever we just wanted to create a bit of a force that was like something that shocked people I guess you know I just don't see the point in doing stuff if it doesn't sort of get some sort of reaction out of people. And um, and, and I guess that's what sort of King Parrot was born out of, you know, that sort of need to want to really entertain and shock and scare and just have a damn good time doing it, you know. So that was kind of what all, all of us guys in the band sort of wanted to do. And, you know, I think, you know, having fun is probably the number one priority, so... Uh, we're certainly trying to keep that as part of the band as well. Yeah. Ah. Um, so uh, how important is humour to King Parrot? Because I get quite a kick out of, like I said before, the Dead End film clip, but uh, how important is humour to King Parrot? It's, I think it's a part of what we do, you know, and 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 I think it helps, like... It helps with people being able to relate to the band. And, you know, it's so many serious little bands out there that we just kind of want to steer clear of that a bit. You know, it's, I mean, serious metal bands are serious metal bands, and that's that's cool as well, you know. Yeah. I like some of those bands as well. and uh, But, you know, we, we're not trying to... I think, you know, part of the thing that people possibly like about King Parrot is that it comes from a pretty genuine place and we're not trying to be anything that we're not. Um, we're not trying to dress up in a way that sort of, you know, 
create some sort of theme or anything like that. We're just getting up on stage and being ourselves, really. And, yeah. Um, you know, I guess, you know, part of my, I guess part of my performance is just, just an extension of who you are as a person. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, my part in the band probably isn't so humorous, but... Um, it, it flats our bass player like that's his part in the band, you know. And, yeah. And and it seems to really work. We have a good time feeding off each other, and we love having a chat even when we're not on stage. So we still have a chat while we are on stage too, and you know, talk with the audience a bit and and try and interact a bit because I think that's important, you know. Like people want to feel like they're part of it too. So and you know, we're under no illusions that unless we had some fans and people that like our band and we wouldn't be getting these opportunities that we're getting so we want to uh stay as close to them as possible yeah. you know and, and bring them in and be a part of it yeah i think it's you know humor is a big part in it and you know i, I when i see videos of bands and stuff i want to see something that's entertaining and funny and you know and it brings out these sort of you know i want people to enjoy it so that's, that's sort of what we go for. Because you're supposed to enjoy a film clip. You're not supposed to sit there and go, oh, well, that's as I could have put the CD on. You're supposed to go, oh, well, I'm glad I watched that, like I did with Dead End, if you know yeah, what I mean. I agree, man. I get, yeah, I guess, you know, the shit on the liver video was the same sort yeah. of thing, you know, that sort of helps get us on the map because it's sort of, it was a little bit different to what everything else that was sort of coming out in Australia at the time. And, and we didn't take ourselves as seriously as some of the other bands. And, um, you know, I guess that sort of resonated with the people a little bit. And there was that sort of void maybe in the in the scene at the time that, that needed to be filled. And, and I'm sort of glad that we put that out when we did and released our album when we did because it was, I guess it was what sort of the Australian scene was sort of looking for in a to a certain degree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're stoked with how it's gone. So, and, and we're going to continue to try and keep doing those sort of videos and, and and making that sort of music that's sort of not sort of, you know, just chaos, <laughs> basically, and fun. <laughs> yeah. Your album, the current King Parrot album, is called Bite Your Head Off. Personally, I that's just correct. want to know, was it meant to be Bite Your Head Off Cunt? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was just supposed to be bite your head off. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. I've always no, been no, curious no, no. about that, and I've always wanted to no. ask it. No, I think we were just like when we were like sitting in the van one day on tour, and someone said something, and someone turned around and says, "Oh, geez, don't bite me head off." Oh, and okay. We were just like, and we all laughed, and it was, and it was like. And I think that's that's going to be the uh, the name of the album, and uh, and we all just went, "What? Bite your head off?" And it was like, "Yeah," and it was we all liked it, you know. So it was. I think it kind of suits where the band's at, and like at the time, and you know, it's kind of what we do. We do kind of bite your head off, so yeah. and it's not. Yeah, once again, not not too serious a title or anything like that, but it sort of justly fits where we kind of were at the time so yeah i was sort of happy with that title but no it wasn't supposed to be bite your head off cunt <laughs> <laughs> uh i 
Uh, it's a very Australian name. I've noticed that with King Parrot, you you've not tried to uh, you've you've kept the Australianness, if that's a word, but you've kept that Aussie style very very strong with your band, and I applaud you for that because I like it when a band doesn't try and conform to what's going on in America or Europe or Asia and just tries to keep to themselves, uh, to, not to themselves, but to keep to their own styles. And I've noticed that with King Parrot, like with Bite Your Head Off, and which is an Australian saying. Uh, King Parrot, calling someone a parrot is an Australian saying. King Parrot itself is an Australian bird. And yeah, I just wanted to applaud you for keeping the Australian style strong in your band. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty important to us that, um, you know, we don't sort of try and portray this image that we're something that we're not, you know. And yeah. Yeah, I, look, each band is, you know, obviously everyone can do their own thing and that's fine, you know, and this is our thing. And um, whether that's going to be... Um, an issue for us moving down the track or not or whatever we just are what we are and and, and we're not going to try and we want to sound like an australian band because that's what we are you know like yeah. like to me like those first acdc albums they sound like an australian band yeah and uh and obviously like as they're on or whatever and got people in the band that aren't australian probably the sounds changed a little bit but um those uh, early acdc albums for me with bon scott I, you know, I, I really love that sort of sound and, and and then, like, even a lot of the 90s bands that were in the Australian scene have had a huge influence on the King Parrot sound. And, um, man, I just, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock any bands that do whatever they do, but, a lot, I mean, to me, a lot of the Australian bands that are getting success at the moment kind of don't actually sound like an Australian band, and that's fine. You know, that's yeah. no big issue but uh, to me I love that Australian sound and you know dating back to ACDC and you know <clears throat> Angels and all that sort of stuff and, and then even like you know moving on to the like the 90s where you know Blood Duster and Damaged and Bean Flipper and Christbait all those sort of bands I love that sound you know and um, and, and that we want that to be a part of our sound and, and I guess it didn't sort of... I mean, Bloodhuster did quite a bit of stuff overseas and damaged had their records released overseas, but, you know, it's, I guess a lot of those bands sort of did actually get that international exposure. And I would, you know, love for King Parrot to be a band that has that sound and that does get that international sort of exposure or recognition or whatever because we are heavily influenced by all those bands and, um, and, and I think that style... Um, deserve to have an international platform, whether like a big international platform, whether it did or not, I don't know, but we were, really want to embrace that sound and, and, and push it out there to the out there to the international people and hopefully hopefully they like it, you know, because it's, it, it's different to a lot of the stuff that's going on in America or Europe or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I... I I have the same point of view. I wanted to point out that I don't hate the bands that are that sound like that want that uh, international sound, but I have like uh, how do I put it? I have 
a lot of respect for the bands that say true to the Aussie style, if you know what I mean. But at the same time, I respect what the other bands are doing. But uh, yeah, if you know what I mean. A different kind of yeah, respect. Likewise, man, absolutely. You know, like um, we're obviously friends with a lot of bands from Australia, and 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 I like you know more power to anyone that can get up and out and and get out of the Aussie scene and start doing it in, on an international level. You know, it's hard work, man. It's like, it's, you know, it's, a lot of people think that, you know, it's something other than what it actually is. And it's just a lot of hard work, you know, and I've got nothing but respect for um, any of the bands that can get up and, and get recognition internationally. And uh, I'm, um, you know, obviously well aware of the hard work and dedication that's required to, uh, to try and to get it out there. So... Yeah. yeah, more power to you, you know. So what keeps you going on tour as a band? Like, do you have an endless supply of Red Bull in your, in your carry-on bags? Because I would. Uh, what keeps you going on tour? Does being a vegetarian help? <laughs> no, it's got nothing to do with it, I don't think. But, um, oh, look, I mean... We just love doing it, you know. We just love playing music, that's, and that's what we want to do. So I, why wouldn't you do it, you know? It's, why wouldn't you want to do it? And it's kind of what I've always wanted to do. It's always been my sort of um, dream is to be, like, on tour a lot and, and go and see the world in this way and um, meet lots of people and have lots of friends all around the world and be able to go and stay with people overseas and, and do all that sort of stuff. So, uh, like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really take anything special for us to just want to stay on tour or go on tour or whatever. It's kind of what we've always wanted to do, you know. So, it's, uh, yeah, there's no sort of special, you know, anything. It's just like, this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to deny that there is a few uh, Red Bulls that get downed along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if it was up to me, like, I love the stuff. If it was up to me, I'd be like binding on The Simpsons. Just yell at hook it straight to the vein. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. I love Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm quite... Uh, yeah, quite partial to it myself, I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm feeling tired or shitty, and there's plenty of uh, plenty of times when you can feel like that when you're on tour, or usually uh, a little Red Bull doesn't uh, go astray, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, does being sober help? Because you're, I don't know, I'm not sure how long you've been sober. Like I've been, personally, I'm sober as well, uh, due to meds I take for my disability and painkillers I take for my legs. But uh, I've been sober for about a year, and I've noticed that I get out of bed easier. I I uh, am healthier all around. Does that help when you're on tour, like not having to deal with a hangover while you're driving? Oh uh, yeah, undoubtedly, man. Yeah, I've been uh, been uh, clean and sober now for two and a half years, and um, yeah, it's awesome, man. I wouldn't go back to it for anything, you know. I don't miss it, and you know, I don't, you know, but I don't, you know, I don't have anything against anyone that still wants to do it. I just know that I can't do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. it's, and, you know, the other thing is, is that it's, it's, it's definitely helped, um, 
me develop the band and develop the business side of the band and and stay focused and all that sort of thing. And you know, I think when I was um, you know back when I was drinking and partying and all that sort of stuff uh, in my twenties and and whatnot, that I wasn't really able to focus on music as much as I would have liked. And uh, and 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 being clean and sober now, it's given me the opportunity to focus on it and take it a bit more seriously. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and grateful that I've got the right guys in the band and, and people that believe in the band and want to push it as much as what I do and, and uh, get get out there and, and you know, make try and make a go of it, you know. It's, uh, it's, we're very lucky, you know. You have to have a lot of things go right just to even get yourself on an international tour, so... Um, we're lucky that um, we've got the the guys in the band that want to do it, and we yeah. had such a great time over in the states. You know, it's, you know, I mean, I know people that there's a perception that you know, like bands are just partying and drinking and whatever all the time, and and it's just this big sort of lifestyle. But in reality, man, I don't think it really could be further from the truth. You know, yeah. it's like a lot of work. Sort of, you know, hanging around at the venue till all the hours, and most of the girls are gone by then. So, you know, forget about that. And you know, yeah, sleeping and on. There's a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, and then you know, going and sleeping on someone's floor that's really uncomfortable, and then getting up early in the morning and driving to the next gig. So, <laughs> it's uh, you know, a lot of people are a little bit deluded about how or what they, you know, what may or may not go on on stage. And um, I'm here to pop that balloon and just go, yeah, look at. It's actually a lot of hard work. And it's, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll factor only comes in when you're like Axl Rose and you have nothing to do but go on stage three hours late and sing half a set and then walk off again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not exactly what we do. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not what a lot yeah, of bands yeah, that's, do. That's definitely. pretty much bands that work for a living. That's not what they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, man. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, uh, uh, part of the, other than my meds, part of the reason why I'm sober is I kept making an absolute fool of myself. You know, when you would wake up and you go to yourself, why the fuck did I do that yesterday? Or why did I do that? I don't want to see these people because I did something stupid. I would wake up almost every single fucking day like that. And for me, personally, like I just wanted to quit drinking because I, I felt myself going to a bad place. And also, my meds at the same time, they started messing with my body and it just was not good. Uh, if If this is too touchy you can tell me to fuck off <laughs> i don't mind but i i want to ask you why are you sober is there a reason or did you just not want to do it anymore uh yeah well i was good at it i was good at drinking and i was good at partying and all that sort of stuff and you know like the reasons the reasons that you uh the reasons that you said man it's like how much more of it can you uh you know subject yourself to yeah. um i just got a bit sick of it man and i wasn't I wasn't, you know, I was pushing myself way too far with it, and I also just wanted to, uh, one of those things I wanted to do in life, I guess, and one of them was do this, you know, play in a band and, and be successful, and it wasn't working out being the, doing the rock stars actually getting to rock, <laughs> you know, and, and I had to find out, you know, that was my path or whatever, and that was how I um, sort of found out that, you know, that kind of 
wasn't the way for me and that wasn't the way that I was going to get anything that I wanted, you know. It was, the, you know, it was going to get me an early grave, really. So, yeah. And uh, I wasn't really up for that just yet. So um, I um, pulled the pin on it and, you know, I had to change a lot of things in my life. And, you know, that's been nothing but beneficial for me. And, um, you know, I've, uh, yeah, like I said before, changed for anything. I don't miss drinking. I don't miss partying that much at all and you know i still hang out with people i still want to be friends with people who drink and, and, and do all that stuff but uh for me i just know what i gotta do and and that's stay away from it yeah that that's how i feel as well and like uh, i i still go to the pub and watch bands i still hang out with my mates and like when they say oh can i get you a beer mate i haven't drank for a fair while now uh they look at me like really seriously and i say like yeah. you, you don't have to stop drinking on my behalf it was my choice not to drink just get me a coke yeah yeah <laughs> seems easy enough doesn't it yeah <laughs> but uh one yeah. one thing i've noticed in the heavy metal scene especially in australia is that drinking is a large part of the culture you have a schooner while you watch the band type of thing yeah yeah I think it's pretty uh, it's pretty prevalent in the uh, Australian metal scene, that's for sure. And yeah, it hasn't been easy to sort of, you know, I had to sort of, you know, when I first started and getting sober and, and all that, I just had to, had to make my boundaries and, and, and that was that was what it was. And, and uh, you know, I would just do the show and then I would get the hell out of there and, and try not to sort of be subjected to it too much. But, you know, these days it doesn't really bother me so much and, you know, I'm pretty sort of focused on what we're doing with the band, so it's no big deal, obviously. There's always drunk people around, and there's always going to be drunk people around, and, you know, people that are affected by drugs or whatever, so yeah. it just goes with the territory, but you know, you've got to take it with a grain of salt, and, you know, everyone's entitled to do whatever they want, and however, do it however they want, as long as they don't hurt anyone else, as far as I'm concerned, and, uh, um, you know, as long as there's no one sort of, you know, and occasionally do people do sort of pour drinks on me or you know, try and pour beer in my mouth or try and give me a beer or offer me drugs or whatever. And I'm like, eh, I don't do it, you know. I've had beer showers and I've had, like, you know, PBF people trying to pour stuff in my mouth. And I just, like, sort of take the stance that I can't really control what anyone else is doing, you know. Like, all I can control is what I'm doing, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah so I just, uh, just try and be a bit... Uh, careful around that and uh yeah you know obviously if someone's trying to pour a beer down my throat i'll knock it away or whatever and, <laughs> yeah and they soon they pretty soon get the message and they don't do it again yeah you know? so uh this is the final question for this interview until uh well until next week's interview uh yeah. but this is the uh question that i ask every single interview it's a multiple choice question, and uh, you get to pick one of these. Obviously, being multiple choice. Uh, okay. A, you can ask me a question. B, you yeah. can be asked a really strange or weird question by me. And uh, C, give me the quote of the week for next week's show. And I, uh, I want to point, want to point out the quote of the week option will be out of next week's show because next week is the final show of the season uh and your okay. interview next week will be our last show but uh yeah 
So give the quarter of their week for next week's show. B ox a really strange or weird question, or ask me a question. Um, maybe you can ask me a really strange or weird question. <laughs> oh shit! Um, wow, I actually thought of one. Then I thought, no, that's crap. <laughs> Did you go through any of the full body scanners when you toured America? Oh yeah, yeah, you have to, man. Yeah. Did yeah, you don't get a choice. <laughs> Did it uh did it display the size of your junk and did everyone see it? Uh I don't know, but I was like talking to the chick that was there and I'm like I was asking her about it and I was sort of saying, you know, like what happened you know, can you see my package and all that sort of stuff while I'm going through and she's like, No, 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 we can't see any of that. It's just like it's more like an X ray scan sort of thing. So um yeah, so she was sort of like, Yeah, no, we don't See, see your junk, and I was like, "That's a shame." That's, you know, like, <laughs> so I want you to see it. You know, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but uh, you know, no, it was, it was cool, man. We had no uh, no issues with that sort of stuff in the states, man. It was all all, all really cool, uh, really good experience. You know, I guess those people are just doing their job or whatever. Not that I would ever want to do it, but um, yeah, no, nah, no junk on the uh, on on the. Uh, Screen. Well, <laughs> you don't actually get to see them, so who knows? They may see it. I, I, I really don't know, but um, but yeah, uh, I, I had there was no cavity searches, and I, as far as I know, they didn't see my junk. But I would be more than happy for them to see it <laughs> if they wanted. Oh, uh, uh, I I really enjoyed this interview, Matt. Uh, it was really fun. This is one of the funnest ones I've had so far. Uh, until next week, that's pretty much all the questions I've got for you. Uh, thank you for awesome, agreeing bro. to do this. No worries at all, man. No problem. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you again on the next part and we'll, uh, we'll get that done. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, thank you again. And uh, this has been Matt Young of King Parrot. Actually, before you go, Matt, I want to ask you, are you any, because you're from Melbourne, are you any relation to the Young Brothers from ACDC? And do you get that question a lot? Yeah, I get it a little bit. Yeah, and it depends on how I'm feeling, if I lie or not. But, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not related. <laughs> but, you know, I can get away with it in America a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are a little bit more gullible over there. Uh, so this has been, uh, I promise, no more surprise questions. Uh, this has been Matt Young on the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. Uh, if you haven't caught them yet, catch King Parrot. Uh, by the time this airs, I believe their current tour will have finished. But they do tour everywhere. And by everywhere, I mean they tour everywhere. If you're in an Australian postcode, they have probably been there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, when they go back to your postcode, catch them, because they're well worth the watch. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Matt. Thank you very much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Please hang up and try again. So that was Matt Young of King Parrot in that interview and of course next week we'll uh have part two of the interview with matt uh next week of course is our final episode it will be a special extended episode i don't know how extended it's just as long as i want to talk i'm gonna keep going 
hopefully you will all listen. Uh, but uh, also, I wanted to uh, not do a shout out, but uh, let everybody know that I am accepting accepting uh, advertisement. Uh, so if bands want to advertise on the Fullmetal Lockdown podcast, if they want to advertise their tour, if promoters want to advertise their show, if uh, uh, businesses want to advertise on the podcast, just hit me up, fullmetallockdown at gmail.com, subject advertising, and uh, I'll let you know the rates and everything. And also, I'm looking to advertise the uh, podcast a bit. Uh, if you go to the latest issue of Train Kill magazine on page 11, I have a full A4 page with uh, my latest A4 advert in there for season one. Uh, seasons two will be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, check it out. Go there, check it out. Speaking of Australian metal magazine, Australian metal media, really, uh, Metal Down Under. I mentioned it last week, it's been big news this week if you're into the Australian metal scene. But Metal Down Under finally has a fucking release date. Four days before my 25th birthday, the 22nd of August, it will be out. My wife is getting me the big package with the DVD and the shirt and everything uh, for my birthday. Uh, go out there, support it, because Nick. I can't pronounce his last name, uh, and I'm not going to do him the injustice of trying until I actually talk to you and learn it directly from you. I'm not going to try and do the injustice of pronouncing your name. But anyway, uh, he's a legend. He's been working at this for a very long time. And, uh, yeah, so Nick, Thank you for doing it. I don't know if anybody's actually said thank you, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for supporting Australian Metal and making this scene that I love, that many, many people love, making the Australian Aussie Metal scene as strong as it can be and as strong as it is. Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, that's uh, the end of the show this week. And from Wade McKay... Get a dog up, yeah!